everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Tom. I'm Ron. And I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. All right. It's the international version of the podcast this time. We've got uh, Rob Pemberton on the line with us. And All he, the way from Australia. Yeah. That's our first time we've gone down under. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'm standing on my head, by the way. So yeah, we're, we're kind all of facing, upside down. Compared yeah, so we're all facing Rob. the same way. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm we got to, we got Rob out of bed early on his Sunday morning to record with us. Thanks, Rob, for being with us. That's all right. I'm used to living on my head, so I'm pretty normal with <laughs> and, Yeah, this uh, is so like I'm, I was gonna say this. Is, it's hard for me to get my my mind wrapped around this. It's five o'clock at night on a Saturday here. Mm-hmm. We are recording, and it's eight o'clock. Sunday morning where he is. Yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah so he, what happens between now and then? Oh, he can't. He can't <laughs> tell the future. <laughs> well, I'm I'm in the future. I think you've got to tell yeah. the future. That's it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, I'm so behind. Or we're living See, in the past. Or we're yeah. I've Te- always been slow. Yeah. We well. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with you. <laughs> so Rob, how are you? Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, hello everyone. Um, so. Rob Pemberton, I've uh, been in the hobby for a couple of well, a couple of years now. Um, I thought uh, I'd look for a bit of an online resource for RC plane information at the start of last year, and um, I was I was into podcasts a lot of the time. And guess what I found? I found you guys. Um, Sorry so about I've that. Been, <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a detriment ever since. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I started listening avidly because I found. Um, that there's not much in the way of information out there written down anywhere about the hobby. That's that's really kind of, I guess you'd call it an, an authoritative source. Um, so I was trying to find information about stuff generally, and you guys were actually a really good avenue for that. Well, well thank, thank you. you. I we would not call us authoritative. I was just getting ready to go there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that was kind of our goal. One of our goals when, uh, when Ron approached me about doing this was uh, basically – kind of codifying information and putting it out there, especially for folks that were just like you, just getting into the hobby. So I'm glad uh, you found us um, and hopefully we've been helpful. Yeah, actually you've been really helpful. And um, you mightn't remember, but I actually put a question into one of your uh, uh, question shows about uh, setting um, thrust, uh, angle. thrust angles. Yeah, yeah, thrust angles, correct. And that was actually quite useful. So I've, I've incorporated that into the plane I was talking about. So uh, thank you very much for that. Good. I love to hear when people say, hey, what you said uh, made sense and I use it and it worked. I love that. That's better than I heard what you said and I use it and it didn't work. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, you you and me playing, Tom. (laughs) Thankfully not. All right. Uh, You can expect that in about 10 years or so. Um, So you've been in the hobby. by rowboat. Yeah. (laughs) A couple of years. Uh, what airplane did you start with, if you don't mind me asking? So I started with the uh, the, the the good old uh, Hobby Zone Aero Scout S, the little one point one meter one. That's a good airplane. Yeah. that's a yeah. little electric yeah. pusher, right? Oh yeah, 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 okay. a little electric pusher. Bought yeah. it as a bought it as an RTF with the whole with the whole kit, and um, that was my that was my first proper one. So I've had. Um, I guess dalliances with with RC planes over the years, but this is the first time I've tried to do it properly. So uh, yeah, that was my first one. So I'm I'm not familiar with what transmitter that comes with. What in the RTF version transmitter that or did you get? That's that's the DXE. DXE, that. okay. Yeah. So yeah. a good starter, but not a not one to stick with you over time. 
Yeah, it's surprisingly good little flyer actually. But um, yeah, I guess the your, your first plane, and you, and you then move on from there. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> not not a not a transmitter you would probably grow with. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah. That's exactly. What you're yeah. And that's. I mean, that's how it was with me when I got my first hobby zone that came with the DX4, which was for what it was for that airplane. It worked fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, not multiple or not multiple model memory. And it really was not suited for anything more range-wise than a small park flyer. Yeah. So, yeah. but so yeah. as the story goes here in the states, anyway, like the the kind of the the progression is, you know, you go to a, a hobby shop and somebody at the hobby shop sells you an airplane and you go and fly it and learn. Is that is that kind of the same experience in Australia? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. So, so um, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. But we have we have a, a club system you know, governed by a national body, very similar to you guys. Um, but I actually didn't start by going to a club. I just started in my local park, okay. um, which had mixed results. Also a um, common, a common theme here in the States. Yeah. 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 Common, common theme, common theme. Um, but the mixed results, uh, did, I guess, uh, give me the taste and I was pretty keen. So I, um, I up my, up my transmitter game to a DX eight E. There you go. And, and bought real flight and uh, did a lot of real flight and a lot of uh, uh, practice at home and um, up to my uh, up my hangar to uh, to two with a, or three actually with two UMXs got a turbo timber mm, and a okay. um, a little uh, UMX radian as well. And, oh, um, how okay. flew them? How do you like yeah, that flew, one? The radian. Um, I, I think I think this this stands for, for me my experiences with both the radian and the turbo timber was um they're really good if it's like no wind okay. so not even not even low wind like essentially i'd have to get out at like six o'clock in the morning for the things to not get thrown around because i found as soon as i flew after that um, particularly the timber um really affected by wind so <laughs> okay. um yeah yeah because i thought about getting one of the the umx radians for flying around here and I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet because that I think that one flies on the that's the what s one fifty, yeah, one of those little one fifty yeah. little slab pack things, yeah. Which um, they're a dime a dozen. I mean, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. so I got a few of them, and it actually it flies pretty well for what it is, um, and it does deal with. I think it actually deals with when wind may be better than the timber, but um, it, it it goes all right for what it is. Yeah, yeah. that's that's interesting to me because there's no ailerons on that, right? Mm, yep. Yeah, yeah okay. it's just a classic two-channel or three-channel yeah. mm-hmm. um, glider. So, yeah. And then, what, sorry, not to dive too much into that airplane, but like I said, I it's one that I had thought about before. What holds the wings on? Is that like I? Is that one There's that fits a, in the box, like as a whole airplane? Yeah, or? it's the, it's the whole the whole airplane in the box. Oh, sorry, no, it's two piece, and okay. you slide. So the 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 fuselage has got like a. Um, uh, a cutout of the, you know, of the, um, the wing and you slide the wing into the fuselage and then hold it in place with a single screw. And, um, it's, it's pretty, to be honest, it's pretty flimsy. I don't know how long it'd last if you were flying it regularly. Um, that was part of the reason I moved away from it. It was like, I'm going to, I'm going to break this thing. Just, <laughs> just sort of carrying it around and using it yeah. know, rather than even crashing. So okay, um, it, it's, you could probably sit and you, you could definitely sit and fix it, but it's a, it's a very lightweight build. So it's, um, yeah, I don't know how long it'll last, like day to day use kind of thing. Yeah, 
Well, so that's good information, by the way, because yeah, yeah. that makes me think that maybe I don't want to, don't yeah, necessarily so a, need to get something like that. It's a one-piece wing that slides in from one side and then locks yeah. down with one screw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Okay, I got yeah. it. All right. Yeah, that's probably not something you want to fly around here. Yeah, probably not. Well, that's so, okay. Cool. Well, thank yeah, you for cool. that, by the way. So, uh, Rob, did you have, you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of kind of starting off on your own. What What actually, like, I would be curious to know, like, what, you said you had a few other, you know, experiences with RC planes, but what, like, really... What was your impetus to yeah, get started what, in this? what really got you going? Yeah. Um, so, I've, I've, uh, it's been something that's interested me, um, you know, as long as I can remember, and I've kind of had, uh, you know, waxing and waning interest in it, and I've had a couple of, uh, a number of planes over the years, like, like kind of not hobby grade, but but sort of toy grade model, uh, remote control models that have never, never really worked very well. Um, I got a, a two channel glider years ago that I flew a fair bit of, um, but that then I sort of lost interest in that and, and went on to other things. Um, but I guess I just got uh, my interest, you know, was on a waxing path in, in 2020. And I thought I'd, I'd be keen to give it a go and uh, just went for it really. It was just a case of me saying, uh, I think I'll do this and ha- have a go properly, really. So it wasn't really, yeah. It was just it was just kind of burgeoning interest in something that I was already interested in, I guess, and actually deciding to do it properly. When you decided to make that jump, did you have anybody around to help you? No, no, it was okay. me by myself. So it was all internet research and Google and all that, and yeah, off to the races. Internet research <laughs> and then uh, deciding on something that looked like a good a good first plane, yeah. and then just going from there. Yeah. Okay. Right on. I think you made a good decision on your first plane. Those yeah, are, for sure. The Aeroscout. With, with the safe and all that that's built into it, that's that's very helpful for learning to fly. Yeah. yeah it's good well, to get I away have, from I that, a, by the way. Yeah, but, yeah. 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 I think the, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I've, I've, I found I actually moved away from safe essentially from the first flight on, particularly having <laughs> done some a fair bit of time on the simulator. Right. I think mm-hmm. once you've once you've got that down... Um, you can you can move away from it, and it just makes the whole thing, the whole experience, much uh, much better. I think moving away from safe as quickly as you can. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would agree with that. I think yeah. safe really, f- from my experience, it, it it really is only there to kind of help with orientation. Do you know what I mean? Because the only time you're yeah. really going to use safe is if you've kind of lost orientation and the airplane is diving for the ground or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like flying a simulator, you're going to learn that. So. Yeah, I'm not surprised that you went away from safe like almost right away after flying the simulator. Yep, yeah. Actually, the the uh, uh, the first time I flew the, um, so we'll get to it, I'm sure. But I actually crashed the Aeroscout the first time I flew it. Oh, we're going to get to that. <laughs> oh yeah, for and, sure. And then had to buy a second Aeroscout, <laughs> um, but also got the Turbo Timber as like a you know it, it's not as costly as an Aeroscout and smaller, and I figured I could fly that first. So I actually did a lot of uh, time on the simulator and flew the flew the turbo timber first time and actually flew it on essentially on expert mode from the start. Nice. Um, and kind of didn't really use safe outside of like the first two minutes of flying it. So um, yeah, moved right along with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you touched on it, um, and we can talk about it more later. But do you, so. How do the flying clubs work there in Australia? Is it is it like it is here where it's just basically a bunch of guys who get together, we form a club, form a committee, 
and then you you sign on with the with the you know the governing organization for us. It's it's AMA. Um, is it kind of the same idea, or is it just uh, something completely different? No, it's it's pretty much the same thing. So okay. we have um, most of our most of our clubs are um, relatively old, but there are there are new clubs forming, and it's and it's just through that you um, apply to the AMA or the ours is called the MAAA, um, which is okay. um, Model Aircraft Association Australia. Um, they've been around for seventy five years now. Seventy five, seventy oh, wow. fifth anniversary this year. Excellent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they, in a similar way that you go to your AMA ties in with the FAA, ours, ours ties in with our version of the FAA, which is called CASA, um, which is Civil Aviation Safety Authority. Yep. And um, essentially does the same type of roles that the AMA does for you guys, um, that MAAA does for us. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you, you organize, um, set up your club through the MAAA and then you can you go through a process of um, having flying uh, flying locations authorized through CASA as well. Sounds very, very similar. Yeah. So yeah. Very much yourself being regulated as much similar. as we are like through the FAA? Uh, yeah. So we're, we're going, we're about to head into the whole registration thing here as well. Mm. Um, but we've, we're in a similar way to you guys, I think we've got a, um, we've got dispensation where M- MAAA members flying at MAAA recognized clubs don't need any registration. Um, the registration thing seems to be targeted mainly at people dry, flying drones, like multi-copters, right? Um, out in the you know out in the the public environs rather than at a club. So yeah, um, it looks like we're going to be spared any of that, but um, we'll wait and see, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping we're along the same lines of that, and it kind of seems like it's going to be. Yeah, I think so. Um, which I'm fine with that. That means really for us, nothing is going to change. Yeah, pretty much. Which yeah, is great. That's yeah, yeah, and I mean yeah, that's what's great about having the MAAA is they essentially just had me, as far as I'm aware, reading reading the the stuff that comes out from the president is um, they met with CASA and outlined the level of training that people do and the level of you know controls that are in place at a club and they were happy that that was going to cover it. So yeah, there you go. That sounds remarkably similar to to what yeah to what we got going on. So yeah, that's good news. Uh, I think absolutely. Um, yeah. So if other organizations are sort of doing things the way our organizations are doing, then. Hopefully it all kind of goes that direction and stays simple. Yeah. I like that. And that's, that's you know, to me, one of the important things about being a member of like AMA here um, is the, the money that we pay is what funds all of that stuff. So, mm. yes, we get some extra insurance protection and stuff that I don't think they will ever pay out because there's so many fine lines on it, which is, you know, that's cool. Um, but just having the, the what, I don't, what's the word I'm looking for? the communal power uh you know of all the members and stuff with like, the funds that that they're able yeah. to put towards things yeah the lobbying that yeah. that's the word i was looking for thanks right. that that is what is kind of nice about it i think yep. so yeah about yeah yep i agree how big is uh is the club that you fly with like membership wise uh it's about 100 oh wow oh that's really good that's awesome <laughs> yeah so okay, I, so I only, the, I only ever see the same like eight people okay. flying at any one time. But that, yeah. that, that, <laughs> that, the memberships there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that yeah. was going to be my next question. Okay, so of the of the hundred or so, like how many are active? So yeah, that's a that's a pretty common. Uh, it, it, I don't know about you guys, but f- for us, um, the the demographics of the club is essentially retirees. I'm. Uh, I'm I'm 39 and I feel like I'm the youngest by like 10 years. It's it's kind of funny actually. So but, I'm um, 52 and sometimes when I show up for the morning uh, uh, gatherings, yeah, I am the youngest guy there. So 
<laughs> I know what you mean. So, but it, it means that I think there's a, there's a lot of guys that fly through the week because I just fly on. I usually just fly on a Sunday. Yep. Um, so I got my little crew, and we have the same guys who always turn up on a Sunday. Um, who see each other every week, but there are little crews that turn up. There's like a crew that turns up on a Tuesday. There's a Wednesday group. There's, you know, there's little groups that come all the time. So, um, but it, but it means I just never see those people, which is kind of funny. So of, of the hundred members of the club, I well, I've definitely not met a hundred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do you have monthly meetings then? Kind of the same as we do with our local clubs. Yeah. Yep. Um, and do we, you go uh, to them? Because we don't. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> So, so we don't really have club meetings per yeah. se. We actually we have committee meetings. I've actually joined the committee, oh, um, which okay. is pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, but so the committees the committee is pretty pretty regular. But we don't really have like club meetings per se. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have have AGMs, but that's about it. Hmm. What's AGM? Uh, annual 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 general meeting. Oh, okay. Yeah. So me, and to me that makes so much more sense. It does. It really does. Then to gather the whole club every month. Just do it once a year to get the really big stuff out there well, and then have your committee, just like he's talking about, have your committee meet, get done what they need to get done and don't require all the club members to be at the meeting. Well, they don't require well, all right, of us to right. be at the meeting. It's they the request, option that we guess, could go yeah. if we wanted to, but we yeah. don't. That way, so. that makes way more sense. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's a good setup too. So so you mentioned that uh, you, you, you tend to show up and it's always the same sort of group of guys that you fly with. And then, you know, there's a, another group that shows up on Tuesday mornings. The only opportunity you get to fly with them sometimes is like big events and stuff like that. Does your club put on like, you know, annual fun flies or, or stuff like that? Yeah, we, we do. Um, the two things we've done this year have been uh, scale fly-ins. Um, hmm. So um, essentially inviting uh, any other members from other clubs in the, in the area to come in and for like a weekend do like a camping weekend, and um, have a have a social fly in over the weekend, and a bit of a a bit of a um, like a scale aircraft, um, you know, modeling competition kind of thing, as a just a, like an informal thing. Cool. Um, and actually, it, it, it attracts quite a lot of people. So we get, uh, I don't know if you guys have, I'm sure you do, um, the real the real diehards who turn up with like a you know a massive enclosed trailer that looks like they're going to a motocross um <laughs> weekend like those guys turn up and camp over the weekend and pull out there's some really amazing planes oh yeah we're so, not going to mention um, names but yeah we know those people yeah <laughs> <laughs> how close are you to your field is it a pretty easy commute uh, yeah like 15 minute drive oh that's not bad so when you do your like interclub like how many clubs would you say you could comfortably be a member of like do you have clubs that are close enough that you could also be a member of you know you know what i mean yeah so so i live in i live in uh in canberra in australia and and in our local area we've got three clubs um and all of which from my house would be about a sort of oh somewhere between a 15 and 30 minute drive oh Oh, awesome that's not bad at all yeah but amusingly uh three clubs no hobby shops zero hobby shops Really? Yeah. So, well, yeah. we're kind of the same way here. I mean, we've we've got a couple hobby shops semi close, but nothing I would consider fully stocked hobby shops. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Nothing reasonable within well, 120 kilometers. Yeah. <laughs> what is yeah, that in so miles? I have no clue. Sixty-ish <laughs> miles, right? Yeah. yeah. Seventy miles, something like that. Because um, we have we have one uh, like a like a toy store that that carries some basic hobby stuff, and that's it. And the next 
the next hobby shop from us would be oh, it's it's more like 300 kilometers so sort of 100 and what's that 100 and 180 miles something like that oh that's about a three-hour drive then wow yeah yeah yep. Yeah, wow. So he's kind of in the same situation we are. Yeah. yeah. yeah kind of. He's a little farther off than we are. We can well, get to a decent one within two hours. Yeah. And unfortunately, the the distributorship, right? You know, Horizon doesn't like have a big presence. You know, they don't have a, a facility in Australia. So I imagine it's not as simple as just getting on uh, oh, they don't? on Google and ordering the stuff you need either, right? Uh, we, we have... Um they're pretty well stocked in in. We've got a number of hobby shops around Australia that do a lot of online stuff. Um, so I just I just order almost everything online. Hmm. Um, but it's all pretty much available from um, from Australian, you know, local hobby shops. So it's not shipping internationally kind of thing to get here. So it's yeah. usually pretty good, actually. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, the Earl Scout wouldn't have been. I mean, that would have been something. I'm sure he purchased locally instead of trying to ship it from the states. So no, no, yeah, shipped shipped from Melbourne for that one yeah. yeah right but what i'm saying is like i don't I, I could be wrong but i don't think horizon has a distributorship in australia like they'll they'll sell stuff to hobby shops or online retailers you know in bulk or whatever but it's not that you had like if you send if you had to send in a spectrum radio would you send it to some place in australia or would it have to come to the states mm, that'd be going to the u.s right yeah. i say they don't have a warehouse in right. australia exactly oh, okay. yeah. kind of what I, was, I know they do in england so i just didn't know yeah. how far they were yeah like everywhere else okay <laughs> I like that hand motion. Nobody saw else. it, but yeah, that's that's the, <laughs> He's the drawing a globe with everywhere his hand. else. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You guys knew what I meant. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Yeah. So it sounds like it's a it's a very similar kind of setup to to here as far as the you know the club organization and the and the organized you know uh, sanctioning mm-hmm. sanctioning I guess it's sanctioning bodies uh, kind of like FAI or whatever. So neat. Well, that makes things simple. So our conversation will be very relatable. Yeah, it won't be. <laughs> yeah, I'll understand what we're talking about until we get into measurements and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, because yeah, still don't really hang with the met- metric system here. I, I think I've I think I've converted everything into inches and, and ounces for you. So when we when we talk planes, I think I've got everything good to go. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I kind of noticed that on your paperwork. You were very yeah, thorough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't and speaking ahead. of paperwork, I mean, I didn't want to bring it up yet. When oh, okay. we get we'll, to it, we we'll, can. We'll but talk about it. We'll your about your it. list is very. I'm envious of, yeah. of I like how, how you have you, everything yeah. set up. We'll, we'll and it's get very to that. Nice. So, okay. Um, so, one of my favorite subjects uh, to talk about is: uh, Do you have a favorite crash story? <laughs> I mean, I know you've only been in a short time, whatever, but everybody's got a crash story they can share. So, so listen to this uh, with with my with my diligent real flight usage. And, and my diligent training, I've had one crash, and that was my Aero Scout on day one, and that's it. That's, so that's that really impressive. Crash, that's impressive and disappointing. You were about to say maybe boring. I, maybe I, no, I, I was not going to say boring. I need to do some more. I need to fly a bit more crazy, potentially. I need to well, but I mean, honestly, though, that isn't that the point of a, of a simulator, though? <laughs> no, that <laughs> well, means exactly, it did its yeah. job it well. It did its job, yeah, yeah perfectly. So. But how did you crash the Aero Scout? <laughs> so... So, on day one, he said. Day one, that's fine. So, so not being a member of a club, I, I drove around the place and found a, a cricket pitch, so like a like a um, you know sports field to fly in. Sports uh-huh. field is round is is ringed by trees. Mm-hmm. So, get this thing off the ground, uh, do a couple of circuits around, 
and I was doing the the classic starting to fly thing of trying to keep it low because it feels safer. <laughs> right. <laughs> keep it close to the ground. That way the damage and keep is it close to yeah, potential energy, right? Potential right. energy. Exactly. So so I was doing that and that plus a combination or a combination of that plus um, first time flying, not really understanding the depth perception thing. Um, clearly my aeroscout was in front of the bank of trees when in fact it wasn't. It was aligned with the bank of trees and it uh, went into the trunk of a, of a large eucalyptus tree at full power <laughs> and just Ouch. completely destroyed itself. At least it so, smelled good when you picked up the pieces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, yeah. So, so it was a, it was a, yeah, a couple of, a couple of, what I would call rookie errors that resulted in uh, in uh, in crash number one, but I guess I was a rookie, so it kind of makes sense. Sure, um, and that's been the only one. Yeah, so, don't yeah. don't feel bad about that. I no, like I've ended up in a tree with my first airplane, and I don't remember if I've ever told the story before or not. But Cody, this has been many many years ago. My oldest son, um, we bought him. I don't remember what it was, like a, a duet or something. Maybe it was a. Hobby's own mm-hmm. or whoever E Flight made. Um, it was a. It was a little twin electric. Yeah, twin. I, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. So it was maybe a three foot wingspan, something like that. And it was ready to fly. It came with some transmitter and everything. And so that was a Christmas present. And we went outside. And I've got a video of this somewhere. I got to try and find it. We went outside and I told him I would fly it first to get it ready for him and then he could take it over. So I threw it and I took off. Everything was going great. Made my first turn, came around. About 10 seconds after I took off, it was in a tree, and we could not get it down for like four days. So, yeah. Poor Cody. (laughs) Maybe that's what turned him off of the whole thing. Well, it could be. Maybe that's why he has no interest in it now, because you crashed his plane before he could fly it and crash it. That's... Is that the one? That's the one we used to fly out the field. We used to run out there, and he used to go out there and grab it out of the sky. And yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Once yeah. once it came out of the tree, it was fine, but it just <laughs> stayed up there for a while. And yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Poor kid. Well, that's disappointing, but also uh, it's very. Um, it's it a good means thing. you did it right. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yep, you did. Yep. It seems to have worked. Yeah. yeah. It makes makes for a boring story, but <laughs> that's okay. So do you, uh, do you guys do swap meets there? Yeah, we do. So not not in not in maybe not in the same way that you guys do. There's not like a an event at a you know at a um, convention center or something. But it's more like a bit lower, bit sort of smaller scale. Like clubs will put on swap meets, and you yeah. just go to the club. And that's by far um, so what we have around here. We yeah, just, that's yeah, that's yeah. the norm. Yeah, the big the big events at the convention centers those are few and far between. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we've got the size here to do that. But we, we do um, like club swap meets pretty regularly, actually. So, Neat. Um, yeah, they are quite good. Yeah. A lot of exchanging hands of uh, airframes from one person to the next to get the new experience. Yeah. 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 Maybe maybe a lot of sometimes, you know, just trying to get rid of foisty junk onto someone else potentially. <laughs> we find that it's a good place to go and bulk up your collection. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can get airplanes can usually pretty cheap at a swap meet. Yeah. 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 So if you're looking to get more airplanes, that's a good place to do it normally. Oh, I agree. Okay. So I'm looking at your list and I see mostly uh, ready to fly and ARF type stuff. So this kind of this next question is kind of silly, but do you prefer to 
tinker with your airplanes or do you prefer to actually fly? I th- so I, th- I thought about this. I think the answer is fly. Okay. Um, though that being said, I, I am I have done a lot of thinking about and tinkering with the ones I've got. So um, I've actually I'm pretty keen to try building. I haven't built any planes yet, but I've got a couple of kits, um, one one sitting ready to go, and a couple more that I'm, I'm, I'm intending to order. Um, so I think I'm, I'm kind of. I'm not sure if I'm a builder, but I, I, I like the tinkering aspect in terms of like figuring out figuring out electronic setups and radio setups and stuff like that. Um, sitting for a long time, sanding balsa, maybe not so much, but I'll, I'll give it a go and see how I go. I it's think not it's not answer. for everyone, I, you know, and I, I mm. we we get that, but yeah, um, I, you don't know till you try it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, so since you brought that up, <laughs> balsa or foam. Oh yeah, or don't care. I would, I would, uh, my my uh, tick would be to balsa, um, but I got to, I got to admit, man, foam is easy, isn't it? It like is. There's there's, 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 there's like really good options out there, particularly the and good looking like the options. PNPs, yeah, like the PNPs where you can just um, you just get it, chuck in a receiver, all the BNFs, like it's just it's just ready, you know, and, yeah. and like really well priced. You couldn't build it for that money. So Well, right, yeah. especially um, if you prefer flying. I mean, what what better way to do it than to get something that you don't have to tinker with at all. You just put a battery in it and off you go. You know? off, off it goes. They just don't um, fly as well as the Bolsa ones. That's all. I agree. We Yeah, we've said that 100%. many, many times. Yeah. But still I still can't put my hand on what it is, but yeah, me I just I, I like balsa better. Yeah. The best is it's more rigid, less flex, things yeah. crack straighter. Yeah, bit more weight. Do you think a bit more weight as well? Not I'm always. Sure. Not, I mean, there are some yeah. some of these foamies that I've I've held are pretty heavy for their size. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah, that ninety millimeter jet of mine is not lightweight. Have you did you have you picked that thing up? I think it weighs like seven pounds. It's it's heavy for foam. Yeah, and my F fifteen is really heavy. Yeah, Yeah. I've picked that up, Mm. and that is ridiculously heavy. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, there's just something about balsa, Um, but you're right. The foam. There are some really really attractive airplanes out there that are made of foam. Unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately. I mean, it's good because it gets more people into the hobby. Yeah, I that's think. true. That's true. So, Rob, balsa, or I'm sorry, uh, nitro, electric, or gas? Petrol. Petrol, yeah, there. So Can't remember, we're international tonight. That's right. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I currently primarily fly nitro, actually. I love that. But it's really annoying. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I fully understand what you're saying. So... How is the pricing on nitro? I was going to ask that too, yeah. Yeah, so so for us, so uh, uh, a gallon would be uh, Thank about, you. about 50 bucks. Holy oh, smokes. Wow. Okay, yeah, yeah. so I would Wait, is that Australian dollars or? Because <laughs> you, know, you call them Yeah, dollars. that's a good point. That's so a good stupid. point. So so I guess the, what the conversion right now would be about 35, 40. Okay, so that's, yeah, that's so closer that's to what we are. a little higher than what we pay here. Yeah. Or 32 to 35, I would think. Yeah, yeah, right. Depending yeah. on what kind of mood Brian's in. Well, yeah. <laughs> depends when he gets but, stuff uh, in. That's true. That's what I mean. <laughs> but as you can see from my list, primarily electrics. Yeah. But I think that's that's primarily around what I've decided to purchase. That wasn't really a, a decision, like a conscious decision to not right. to not go one over the other. Yeah. Um, I think I think long term I want to transition to a 
to to the Ron model of of electric and and gas petrol. I think yeah. is going to be the answer. Yeah. Um, but I, that being said, like for a forty size plane, I think nitro nitro kind of makes sense to me. But um, That's there's a much, lot. I was going to say there's a lot of smaller motors and engines and whatever coming yeah. out in that size that I would yeah. like to try. And the forty to sixty size, you know, yeah, of, yeah. I mean, uh, of nitro that a are good gasoline powered is the the new SH engines. I think they're doing a a gas glow, right? So it's gasoline powered, but it uses a glow plug. Still don't know how that works. I don't either, but I'm I'm assuming it's super high compression. But and yeah. they're doing these in the in the popular forty size, so I can see that uh, that might be a really really good option. That's, that's potentially quite an attractive option there, right? Isn't it? Exactly. I know. Yeah. So. I, I'm I'm anxious to see how uh, some reviews of those and see how they perform. I'm watching one guy right now on not right now, but I mean, currently on uh, YouTube, he's uh, got one of these and going through the break-in process. So I can't wait to see how it uh, how it does. So mm-hmm. far, he says it's promising. Doesn't make as much power for a similar size nitro, yeah. but you know, potential energy is not the same from alcohol to gasoline. So mm. anyway, there's some good options coming. Uh, down the road in those smaller gas type and even evolution. I mean, well, it's not evolution anymore, but um, there's a whoever, I forget who it is I now. Don't know. Seidel or anyway, there, there's more options coming. So it'll be easier to go gas in the smaller airplanes over electric than it is currently. So Rob, did you, did you stick with Spectrum after the Aeroscout? Um, yeah, I did. Um, so as you as as you'll see from my list, there's a number of uh, like BNF um, options there, mm-hmm. and um, with having like having real flight um, as well, I think spe- spectrum for me just makes sense um, for the moment, and it's it's also kind of I guess the probably the, the most readily available system here through through decent hobby shops. Um, so I think it's uh, it's where I'm at with at the moment, um, but I think I'm. I want to do. I think I want to do some more complicated models. I'm going to run out of channels, so I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to think of like a a uh, where to go from here in terms of going going to like a you know 10 plus channel receiver and, or transmitter and what what I'd go with there, whether I stay with Spectrum or switch to something else. Have you thought at all about doing like the uh, the open TX type stuff? Yeah, you know, I kind of have. Because you look at you know you get like a sixteen channel transmitter for a couple of hundred bucks, right? Um, which is which is pretty a pretty interesting option right there. It's appealing, um, yeah, for sure. And I also I also kind of like uh, how much you can tinker with uh, like the OpenTX allows you to kind of tinker with your with your with your radius setup a bit more, and I kind of like that that idea of tinkering and having a bit of freedom, right? Um, yeah, if you're so into just, tinkering, that's probably going to fit your bill really well. Yeah, yeah. like. Just, just fiddling with it, it kind of, a, kind of appeals to me, actually. Yeah. But um, that being said, I was sitting, I've been sitting here thinking, like, a, you know, seeing the NX, the NX series come out, mm-hmm. and think, like, oh man, I wish, I wish they just did like an NX fourteen or an NX sixteen. Yeah. Um, and now this IX thing's been been announced, so that maybe that maybe that's the answer if I can justify the money. But yeah, that's um, the hard part. Yeah. Yeah, I fully understand that. Oh, that's yeah. a lot of money for a radio. Well. I don't know a lot about the the open TX type stuff, but I know that like the Radio Master stuff, you can you can make that compatible with like the Spectrum, what however that communication technology. Yeah, happens. they have modules you can put in to, yeah, to so work like, with different radio. So you wouldn't be out all of your P and P stuff, well, right? 
So right. you'd be able to use the new Radio Master with your older Spectrum stuff, right? Yeah, and, and just have the, the DSMX protocol. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Module on it, yeah. So that, to me, like way back in the day, and Dave will probably remember this, but when we when you switched to brands, you, you pretty much had to re-outfit your entire fleet unless you kept your mm-hmm. old transfer. And then... And then you got into the whole having two, three, four transmitters, you know, for different airplanes or whatever, because we didn't have the model memories that we have now. Um, but they've made it so easy, like you said, with the tinkering and the programming and stuff, to where you can make that one transmitter your do-it-all transmitter. Well, yes, but. Like, if you go from name brand to name brand, you're still going to have to change. Like, uh, Futaba and Spectrum don't play well together. Right. So if you go to a third party that says, okay, I, I figured out how they do this, I'll work with you guys, that's how you get that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like if you if you get a Radio Master transmitter, then you've pretty much solved all of your compatibility issues because they're all compatible with that one yeah. transmitter. I see so what you're getting at, but yeah. it's not like name brand to name brand comparison. Okay. I mean, like the, the main overview where you have like the your fast and and spectrum spread spectrum stuff and all that those are proprietary to that brand yes whereas radio master is just saying i will make something to work with it right yeah what i was saying was like if you were going well, to s- i'm sorry you said when you switch brands like yeah, to me you- radio master and i maybe i'm way off on my thinking on this but i look at that as kind of like a a third party let's figure other people's stuff out. Yes. Whereas the main like radio brands yes. are still only playing well with themselves. Correct. Gotcha. What I'm saying is I think we're on the same page but we don't know it. If what what I'm I'm tr- I'll try to put it simply. I'm saying if you switch from Spectrum to Futaba, you pretty much have to re-outfit your entire fleet. You do. That's exactly what I said. Yes. And I'm with, saying you do, yes. And instead of going, for, say, switching from Spectrum to Futaba, you switch from Spectrum to Radio Master. Now you have a Radio Master that does all of it. You don't have to re-outfit your entire fleet. It can talk to everybody. Right, that's yes. what I was getting at. Okay. Okay, so anyway. The, the, only, <laughs> the, only long downside, for that. the only downside I can see with switching to Radio Master is I don't know if forward programming works with Spectrum. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. Because I don't You've probably noticed, you know, more and more the newer Spectrum receivers, um, you need to do things in forward programming, that you, forward programming that you can't really do otherwise. Yeah. So that might be a bit of an issue. I'll be honest, Ron just, probably knows more about that than I do. I don't even know what forward programming is. All that means is on your transmitter, you can change settings that it saves on the receiver. Oh, okay. Handy. Yeah. So if you don't have a, a transmitter that can talk to the receiver that way, then it's kind of pointless. Then you're still saving it on the transmitter under the model memory. Yeah. So what's the advantage? Good uh, there's, question. There's stuff, it, yeah, in, in, in receivers that have got like um, uh, AS3X or any kind of, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that you can fiddle with in the receiver that you actually can't, it's difficult to do that without having forward, oh, program, okay. forward programming set up. Yeah, any of the receiver base stuff is what you change or what you can change with forward programming. Like he said, AS3X okay. with gains and all that. Oh, okay. Setting it up yeah, from negative to can't. positive, oh, all okay, that, that gotcha. has nothing to do with your transmitter. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the old way of doing that would have been with the with the lights and the and the, all that. Now you can do it from your transmitter or a cable if or you a cable. If yeah. It was, yeah. Oh, that's it. Now I can see the advantage in that. 
Oh, yeah. It's a lot easier than the old way. And Rob, you're saying that the potentially the radio master stuff or the proprietary or non-proprietary stuff, I should say, uh, may or may not be compatible with that. Yeah, I don't know I if it you. is or not, but that, I think that'd be a that'd be a bit of a sticking point for me potentially. Sure, sure. Um, we got a lot of people so. yelling at the podcast right now, saying either <laughs> it is or it isn't. But I've never used yeah. it, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll probably hopefully get an email to uh, enlighten us. There you go. Let us know. Actually, good question. Yeah. Or a good thing to say let us know if, if that works or not yeah. rob do you have a favorite airplane like an airplane that is always with you when you go to the field now the one I, the one i probably fly the most is my 40 trainer so oh. low wing it's called a phoenix scanner um low wing trainer mm-hmm. um, that's the one that gets flown the most yeah probably the most fun because it's balsa and nitro <laughs> just saying <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> so, it's so it's kind the, of ticking, like a stick. Ticking all the boxes. Have yeah. you owned a stick yet? No, I've not. No, you, I've thought about that okay. actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, they come highly recommended. I understand by <laughs> you especially. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's literally the best airplane ever. I mean, oh man, that's. I mean, it is. It just it does everything well. So anyway. except for look like a real airplane. Well, I mean, it's got a wing and a tail and an engine and wheels looks like an airplane to me all right well so i'm i'm the i'm the outlier i guess well that's why they're called ugly sticks well they aren't terribly attractive but they fly well they do that's why i have a swept wing version of it (laughs) you do yeah called a blue max um so would you also say that your um uh, scanner is your go-to yeah i think so yep even with the cost of nitro (laughs) yeah I'm so glad to hear you say that because it's not electric. So many times people's go-to airplanes are electric. And I oh, I totally understand why. It's simple, easy. You can throw it in the car. You don't have to worry about dragging the, the field box and all that. But I'm so glad to hear you. Because my go-to uh, is my stick. I mean, you know, OS uh, 46, whatever the... Oh, new. so go-to. You don't even remember what the motor's in it. Well, it's an LA 46, okay? Smarty pants. <laughs> It's the blue one. So, I was thinking FP, but I couldn't get LA out of my mouth. So, because FP is the old version of the LAs. Dave yeah. knows what I'm talking yep. about. The bushing so engine. What yeah. I, what I usually do is take two. I'll take a, I'll take an electric and, and the nitro, and it means that you can fly the electric, and while the batteries are recharging, you can fly the nitro. Yeah, that's a good strategy. That is a good strategy. I like that. I always try to take at least two with me because you know. Based on my track history, especially this summer, <laughs> at least one of them's not going to be working. Yeah. So I always yeah. want to make sure I have at least a backup <laughs> to try to fly. Or you could take one and leave Fred at home. And then you could <laughs> you try that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Fred the dog will let you leave without him, especially if he knows there are airplanes in the truck. And his frisbees are in the truck. We'll leave the frisbees at home. <laughs> Maybe mom will play with them. No. Okay. That no. Was, I was yeah. going to say that. It was crickets. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Do you have anything that you're working on right now, Rob? Like anything on the bench? I know you, I'm, I'm looking at your list and we'll get to that. Um, but uh, do you have anything that like, so we have a, a, where we live, we have a definite flying season and building season. And we're, you know, we're kind of getting out of flying because winter's, you know, coming. Uh, do you have that sort of thing where you live or can you fly like all year round? Well, we we can pretty much fly all year round. Um, I'm so in jealous. The vast majority of places, yeah. Um, coming into summer, there are there are sort of seasons where we get quite high winds, 
around okay. Canberra, which makes it a bit difficult. But um, uh, coming into when well, we're coming into summer now, so it's I think it's going to be peak flying season coming shortly. Nice. But I've, I've actually been um, away from home for a number of months now um, due to family reasons. So I've not actually touched the plane. So I'm very keen to get back and uh, sure. and get into get into get into doing some stuff. I need to finish. Um, I've got a, a chipmunk half sitting there with like all the components ready to go. Everything that I'm really keen to uh, get on and get get done and get in get in the air. And it's so refreshing to see a chipmunk in something other than the art show paint <laughs> scheme or the Canadian Air Force training scheme. Yeah, and that that's actually a model of a real plane that that still flies to this day. Um, that uh, oh, that's awesome. That chipmunk in that color. Um, so that's it's sitting. I think it's in private hands in the UK somewhere. So it looks like uh, you're going to put a DLE twenty on the on the chippy. Yeah, yeah, DLE twenty. I mean, it's got that. It's got that. Uh, you know, quite a narrow mm-hmm. nose. So I figured the having the you know the inline uh, exhaust would work well, and it should be should be plenty of power for that thing. So yeah, I think that'll yeah. go well. That's what I put in yeah. my uh, P forty with a narrow nose, and it fit perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice. It should be a really good combination because that's not a very heavy airplane, so that should fly really, really well. I would say. Yeah, I think I think the model built up is meant to be about five kilos, so call that sort of twelve pounds, something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it should be it should be really good. I'm I'm reading the the comments that you put on the spreadsheet. Uh, so 3D printed pilots. Yeah, I've I went a bit may may have overthought this one slightly. <laughs> Uh, so I've, I've gone for uh, 3D printed, printed pilots uh, made by a company in the UK because um, I realise that this plane is a the model they've they've um, gone with isn't just like a um, an indicative model of a plane. It's actually the registration of a real chipmunk that still exists and was in British um, Army Air Corps service all through the 60s and the 70s. So I've actually gone for. Um, scale pilots of British Army Air Corps um, pilots um, doing their flight training in the sort of mid-60s. So I even went to the point of figuring out like what, what helmets they would wear and what colour their gear was and all that sort of stuff. And <laughs> With a awesome. ping-pong style helmet. Yeah, yeah. So, um, That's awesome. so it should actually look, should look pretty scale when, it, when it's all put together. Yeah. Um, uh, even to the point of the, the trainee pilots would wear silver helmets because they were like the, you know, just the, the ones they had um, a bulk amount of it they could just give to the trainees, whereas the instructors would have their own proper white helmets. So I went and figured out like what what in service British helmets they were in the sixties and the seventies, and, and incorporated that into the into the custom um, ones. So this this company in the UK just does three D printing three D printed pilots, which means you can pretty much do what you want with them. Nice. Um, so uh, customized, custom painted the whole bit. So it should look really good. Yeah. So, Ron. Um, downloaded a app, right? What? No. Oh, the well, you bought a printer, three D <laughs> printer, and yes. Lori, my wife, downloaded the three D camera app, scanning so, app. So Ron is going to three D print. We're going to try us so that we can put us in our model airplanes. Yeah, it's so good. That's the plan. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work, but yeah, <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to that. I, at first, I was like, man, eh, that's kind of cheesy, but then. The more I thought about it, you mentioned it tonight about putting a pilot in my cub. It absolutely needs a pilot, and that pilot better be me. It is, yeah, so. I agree. And you better be making a scared face. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> of course, because I'm always on the verge of crashing, right? I wouldn't say that, well, but anyway. you can still so be cool. scared. 
I like it. Yeah, that'll that'll be a good uh, good looking chipmunk. I mean, it already is, but uh, with the real pilot or the scale pilots in there, I think that'll be really cool. It'll be one worthy yeah. of taking to your scale competitions. Well, I think actually, funnily enough, someone else brought that same model to the scale competition the last <laughs> one we had. So, but mine's going to be better. I've uh, of course I've gone and done some other bits and bobs, got more accurate wheels and stuff like like, like that as well. So nice. it should look pretty good when it's yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, so that's what you're. That that's probably next on the list to to work on then. Yep, that's the next one. Um, okay, I've, I think I might try actually doing a uh, a build after that, um, which is. A, uh, an e-res glider I think I'll try an e-res glider it's, it's, it's my first build attempt it might be a little bit ambitious so there's lots of carbon fiber and stuff in there but you know I'm up for the challenge why not I'll give it a go so well you won't know until you try yeah right? exactly right exactly. it should go together fairly easily from what I'm looking at here on your on your list because um, it looks like the, the tail boom is just carbon fiber yeah just and you just um, epoxy it in either, or epoxy it in at the um, at the fuselage end, and the uh, the tail surfaces are actually held in with little um, carbon stakes, so it should be should be pretty straightforward, I think. Yeah, uh, a little just, bit. just a safety tip for you uh, working with carbon fiber: make sure you wear a respirator or something. You don't want to breathe that uh, dust. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I think they pre-cut all the parts, so it's actually it should be hopefully I can just avoid that whole thing. <laughs> yes, um, that stuff's like pretty nasty on your lungs. Yeah, that'd be it's awesome, though, if it's pretty cut. Spoiler, too. Yeah, I like that. All right, so we keep referencing your list. I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, I'm yeah, let's just get to it. I'm going to get to it, yeah. I'm, so many good st- uh, airplanes here. So, uh, by the way, I'm just going to comment on the on the um, formatting of your list. I really like it. Yeah, I've got to up my list game now. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't like it enough to change mine because I have so much stuff on mine, but the, the, having the picture... Uh, next to the um, the model name, I, I love that. By the way, and then the notes, yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to get after it here. Uh, so your total you, you've number. You've got me up on a you've you've got me up on a Sunday morning, and I actually did this list specifically for you guys. Aww. really, man, yeah. this looks like something you'd yeah. been no working pressure. on. For so he years. just threw this together. Yeah, yeah. that means yeah. I you guys yeah, suck. Really <laughs> done a bad job on mine. Yeah. So I, I do a lot of I do a lot of generating tables like this for work. So it, okay. it was a, yeah, it was just kind of a well. I don't feel so bad now. It together. I yep. still feel kind of bad that you went through all this work just for us. I appreciate that. So your total yeah. number is eleven, um, which is a respectable number, mm-hmm. especially having been flying for two years ish. Yeah, call it. Uh, yeah, just under two years. That's pretty respectable. More than I had in two I years. I mean, yeah. So. Yeah, my first, I think, first 11 years in the hobby, I think I only had like three airplanes. So, yeah, got me beat by far. All right, so we'll start with the, uh, I'll start with the ones that you have ready to fly. Okay, we got the Phoenix Scanner, which we've already talked about. That's your go-to. That one's got uh, an OS 46 on it. Yeah, baby. Nitro. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I agree. It's a good uh, 40-size low-wing trainer. Probably flies a lot like uh, a stick, only a low-wing. It looks a lot like a super sportster. It does. It kind of does, yeah. I like the I like the color scheme, the red, white, and blue. All right. It, it makes it easy to see, yeah, sure. which is quite good. Yeah. Yep. The contrast, yep. I like that. Okay, next we got a Durafly EF Extra. From what I remember, those are those are speedy little suckers. So I actually I actually bought this as a bit of a a bit of a high speed, low cost project. Okay. Um so it comes three S and four S capable. Um, but the motor 
will go to 6S. So I've actually uh, in the process of converting that to a 6S setup. Oh dear. Um, that's going to be a thing I'm going to do for this for the uh, upcoming flying period as well. So, oh boy. Um, yeah, 6S on like a 60 amp, um, I think 80 amp actually, 80 amp ESC and a, like a 1300 milliamp battery. So real lightweight setup. Yeah, um, that thing is going to small scream. thing. With a screaming, yeah, and it's, gonna, it's got like a five and a half inch carbon prop. I've got to go on there. So <laughs> I bet it's that gonna sounds be a, cool it's gonna too. Be a, wow. It's going to be a little bloody hornet yeah. when the thing gets going. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Okay, you're definitely going to have to let us know how that pans out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's actually, yeah. there's actually some, uh, if you go on YouTube and if you, if you just YouTube EF Extra 6S, um, there's some videos of people flying them on 6S and they, they, it's impressive. And the airframes are uh, th- they can take that that kind of speed and loading. So they actually they actually tell you how to do the six the six x the six s conversion in the manual. Oh no, kidding! So uh, so they've kind yeah. of designed it with this in mind. So it sounds like yeah. yeah. So I can say so speaking from experience from my the the uh, E flight V nine hundred that I have, it's a blast on four cells. You know, it's designed to handle four cells and it's fast, um, but the it doesn't fly the same on four cells as it does three. Like the extra speed and loading, you can see. Remember the picture you took? Stuff yeah. flexing <laughs> uh, yeah, at those right. speeds. So my concern would be the airframe, but it sounds to me like they've uh, they've designed it to handle that. So yeah, if it's I, built for it and they yeah. tell you how to do it, that's probably good. Yeah, I'm probably going to get on YouTube and check that out because yeah, <clears throat> little screaming foam airplanes are are pretty cool. <laughs> All right, so next on the list, everybody's uh, seems like they've owned one of these. Knee flight T28. This is the 1.1 meter. Um, just an all-around good flying airplane for what it is. Well, Ron has no. I've one, not owned one. Yeah, um, I know Dave has owned one, at least one. Not the small one. I've got the big one. Oh, really? Okay. I've never had one. Of the well, small I stand ones. corrected. Wow. Yeah. So, have you owned one? I'll, I've flown several. So I've you have never owned. So one. you said it seems like everybody owns one, but seems none like of us no one owns here. one. It seems yeah, like seems everybody like... who has been a guest on the show owns that we don't. How about that? Is that better? That's oh, more okay. accurate. Okay. All right. Next, we have a Dynam F6 Hellcat. This is the uh, PNF version. Uh, that's a 50 inch. I'm not familiar with this one. Yeah, I've uh, been around for a while. Um, I bought this secondhand actually, and and you will notice from the picture that um, the guy I bought it off has actually done it up in a in a um, Royal Navy uh, okay. um, color scheme rather than a rather than a US color scheme, so it's yep. a bit, bit different, bit bit individual. Um, I bought it actually to 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 try and teach myself how to fly a tail drag because you'll notice, um, uh, you know, with the with the Aero Scout, and I flew the the T twenty eight after the Aero Scout okay. as my primary. Um, that I've I've done a lot of tricycle undercarriage and not really done much in the way of tail dragger, so I wanted to uh, get something to. Uh, Get used to it prior to prior to getting the chipmunk out because I definitely didn't want to didn't want to crash my bloody sure. my very nice chipmunk with a DLE yeah. on the front of it. Um, so I wanted to get something a bit cheaper to to to, to practice with. Um, so it, it goes all right. Um, I found that the the undercarriage is a little bit flimsy for for just like doing touch and goes constantly. So um, I actually we'll get further down the list. I've got a, I've got another plane I've bought to specifically practice with the tail dragger. Okay, that leads me to a question I forgot to ask you. At your club field, what what sort of surface is the runway? So, funnily enough, it's it's a bit of a funny one. We've actually got a the runway surface is flattened dirt, and on top of the flattened dirt, they've put down conveyor belt material out of a paper mill. Yep, we we still we're not unfamiliar with that as well. I know yeah. I and that. 
One of the club fields I flew at as a kid, that's exactly what we used, except it was on top of grass, so it was lumpy. (laughs) Yeah. So this is, this is quite, apparently this is quite, this has been quite common in all the clubs around our area because there was one paper mill that everyone went and got the conveyor belt material from. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been like that and it's been like that for years. So how it works wide? pretty well. How uh, wide would you say? About, oh, would it would be 12 bar. Quick maths in my head. Call it sort of 25 feet wide. Oh, okay. Well, that's yes. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Not, not bad at all. No. Yeah. All right. So the, the F6 uh, Hellcat you bought to practice um, with the tail dragger. And that, uh, so the landing gear was flimsy on that one? Yeah, it, it's, um, is that it's a been retractable sort gear? of, fi- yeah, retractable, uh, okay. fiddled with and kind of repaired ah. uh, a number of times. And it's just got that, that little bit of, uh, fore and aft movement where it'll, it'll get sort of near the CRG and then want to, want to, where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, it, I've, I've sort of fiddled with it and haven't really got it to a point where it's, um, I trust it, and the the Dynam retracts are a little bit renowned for being a bit finicky on occasion. So yeah, it's 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 an option, but it probably needs something with just like a a fixed aluminium under undercarriage, you know, as a tail dragger to just be a bit more robust for just mm-hmm. doing touches and goes all the time. Yeah, so. especially if you're going to fly like a, like we do off of a grass field that can be kind of lumpy sometimes. Um, probably yeah. not a great option. All right. So next, I have trouble with the the name of this one. It's either Volantex or Volantex. Which one is it? Or am I completely? I'm, I'm going to go with Volantex. I've okay. never heard anyone say it. So okay, Volantex is the way I read it. Okay, and that's yeah. a Phoenix 2000. Looks like a glider. I'm not familiar with this one. Looks cool. Yeah. So this is a this is a um, a low cost a low cost glider. Um, do you have Do you guys have a company in the US that sells stuff online called Banggood? Yeah, but we it's, have access to Banggood. Yeah. yeah, I think most of it's from their uh, international warehouse, which like is out their, of China. Their global warehouse. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is a this is a this is a Banggood special. This thing, um, but <laughs> okay. um, seems to be pretty pretty well renowned um, as a pretty decent glider for for the money. Yeah. Um, so this is a this is kind of a a low cost way of getting into a getting into a, a motor glider yeah um that's not a two like not a three channel actually has um you know flaps and i've set up a camber system on it that's um, cool i'm i'm yet to fly it it's it's sitting there all ready to go and I, I had to come up away from home for a while um so i've not got this thing out yet but i'm very keen to get this thing up in the air cool actually. it's not uh, it's not a small model it's a 79 inch uh, wing so yeah that's a it's nice pretty, looking airplane yeah actually. pretty good size actually yeah all right, and then we got um, yeah. a hobby. Oh, go ahead. Um, it, it's good because it comes with a it comes with quite a cool little um, snap lock system for getting the wings. So both wings come off, um, so you can really reduce it down to a, a pretty easy to transport package, and the wings just really nicely clip on. So uh, it's uh, it's good little setup actually on that thing. Cool. Yeah. Uh, folding prop looks like it's got a folding prop on it. Yeah. Yep. Nice. No, it looks it looks pretty cool actually. Um, bang good. I may have to look into that. Yeah. I think Hobby King sells those as well. Oh, do they? Okay, cool. Speaking of Hobby King, that's our next airplane, a Hobby King Radjet 800. I, I've looked at these things a couple of times and have you flown it yet, Rob? I have. I have flown this a fair bit. Okay. Um, and? So I bought, this as my speed project. Uh-huh. Um, that got, that then got overtaken uh, <laughs> by right. the, um, by, EF by the EF Extra. Yep. Um, I found that uh, so this thing's a, a two Elevon and ESC setup, so like a like a three channel. 
Um, what I've found is I, I really like having rudder control. So either I'd have to get something similar with rudders. This one's you probably could you probably could you know um, modify it to have rudder control, but I, I, f- I found that it just doesn't have the level of control I'd like. So this uh, has been flown, but is kind of languishing in the in the back of the spare room a little bit. Okay. This one is it fast? I mean, because it looks fast to me, like all the YouTube stuff I've looked at, and that's why it kind of intrigued me. I thought, oh, this looks like it could be, and this was before I, I bought the V900, so it's a while back, but is it yeah. fast? Uh, Relatively not fast speaking? En- not fast enough to be fun fast. Okay, yep, um, that makes it's, sense. It's pretty good, and there are I've, I've found videos on, on YouTube of them going fast, and in all those videos they've done like an engine swap oh, and an okay. ESC swap. So. All right. Um, okay. Out of the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's everything I needed to know about that airplane. I'm glad I chose what I chose instead of that <laughs> one. Yeah. So, and then, uh, so next we have the E-Flight UMX Turbo Timber, which those yeah, fly so really well from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is where I really, um, after crashing the first Aeroscout, this is where I actually did all my initial flying. And it does fly well, I agree. I've just found that it only – I found that wind gets to it a lot. So um, yeah, the I find it quite frustrating um, having to go out either early in the morning or like picking the time of day to fly the thing Yeah. because um, otherwise it just gets thrown around. Um, right. So yeah, the UMX, the UMX airplanes are, are really small and light and, yeah, the, any kind of affected wind. Affected greatly by the wind. Yeah. yeah, even the AS with the AS3X and all that stuff, it can still get, just like you said, tossed around and – not a lot of fun if you're trying to, you know, practice precision landings and things like that. But, yeah. uh, but a lot of the, the bigger version I've, I've heard flies really, really well too. So um, that might be on my to purchase list one of these days. You think so? The, the bigger one? Yeah. yeah. I, I, they look cool. They do, Even actually. with those big, ugly wheels. They are big, cool <laughs> wheels. Ron likes the big wheels. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with big, cool wheels as well. Actually, okay. I kind of like yeah, the see? backcountry like, look. Is pretty cool, right? Uh, I love the bush, uh, bush plane look. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so that does it for the ready to fly. So seven that are ready to go at a moment's notice with proper uh, charging ahead of time. Uh, and then, so we move on to almost ready to fly. You got one on this list, and it's one of my all-time favorites: the Sig Four Star Forty. Huge fan of that airplane. Yeah, so this, this is this is one I've I bought secondhand. So bought, built up, ready to go. Um, mm-hmm. Just missing a receiver. So, like I was talking about with the uh, the F six, wanting to have something um, relatively robust as a tail dragger to learn properly how to fly a tail dragger before moving on to the chipmunk. Yep. Um, this is this is what I found on a on a secondhand, um, you know, secondhand swap meet sort type thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought this thing is perfect for that. Yeah. Um, it's got the you know. Great, great planes. It's you know well regarded, obviously. Um, yes. Solid, solid undercarriage. Um, it pretty much does everything I wanted. To, I wanted to do, and I think once I get it out and flying it, um, it potentially might become the uh, the go to. Potentially, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it, it's a beautiful build. I love how uh, kind of svelte and light the, the airframe is. It's it's really nicely made. Whoever did it, so um, I'm very keen to get this thing up in the air. Yeah. Svelte. That is a that is a very accurate description, in my opinion, of the four star of the all of them. Like mm-hmm. they do the forty size, they do a sixty size, they do a one twenty size. There might even be a giant one out there that's not kitted, but like plans available. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan. This was like one of my 
third or fourth airplanes. It was like early on, like when I started flying, I built one of these and, uh, man, what a great fly. It's almost like, well, I mean, it's a low wing trainer essentially. Yeah. Um, with yeah. a semi-symmetrical wing. I, I think you'll like it a lot actually. And it handles wind pretty well too. So mm. there you go. Um, okay. Awaiting build. So these are, these are the ones, um, the, the kit, which, okay, well, I'll talk about it in a minute. So we've got the, we've got the Seagull chipmunk, which we've already talked about that one. You're going to do that up real nice and scale with the pilots. Sounds awesome. Send us pics when it's done. And then, okay. So the performance models glider kit, can we really call that building if it's, I mean, it's not like, it's not like building in the traditional sense of the word, right? Why? You're still building a wing. Oh, well, I guess that's true. It's that's built true. up balsa. It is. That's true. It's just slightly different techniques, right? Yeah. So, okay. Don't knock it till you've tried it. That's you. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So when, when, uh, what sort of time frame we're we looking at for you to get that one on the table and start putting it together? Oh, that's a good question. I reckon realistically, I reckon early next year. Okay. We'd, we'd see that one, um, commencing, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully. So, yeah. But yeah, as, um, as Ron was saying, it's, it's got, uh, carbon fiber tubes in it to, to strengthen, but primarily it's a, it's a balsa build. And that's, you know, I guess that's the whole point of the E-Res um, style gliders is to keep the things relatively simple in mm-hmm. terms of build. So um, hopefully it should go together pretty easily. I've looked mm-hmm. through the instructions and it looks pretty straightforward. Um, it's just, I guess the complexity is the integration of the, the carbon, whereas, you know, on, an, on, a, on a more simple build, it'll just all be um, balsa or ply. But um, it looks, I think it should be doable. Yeah. yeah. So this is a V tail. So will you have to? You'll, I'm assuming you'll have to set up some sort of mixing, and the yeah, transfer correct. to, to yep. get that because you got you've got the V tail and then a spoiler, nothing else in the wing, right? Yeah. So no correct. ailerons or flaps or anything like that. No, that'll be no. interesting. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, well I've got the um, I've got the the uh, the model set up in my my DX8 already, <clears> ready to go. Oh, nice. So um, uh, and yeah, it's essentially well, just. Uh, doing a V-tail setup and um, I, I quite like uh, for two-channel uh, flying with the rudder on the rudder on the aileron like on the right-hand side rather than rather than switching it so you still have like a like a stick like a plane okay um, so I've yep. got that all set up uh, ready to go so yeah should, should so that begs that begs the question do you fly mode one or mode two mode two okay all right cool well because you never know no and that's like, exactly what I was thinking too. oh okay like cool. that was my next question, but you took it out of my mouth. I'm sorry. Yeah, and like what I like to do with a V-tail with just rudder only, is I'll set it up on the right stick like an aileron. I also just mix the rudder 100% so I can control the rudder from either stick. So hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that way if you get used to control yeah. my, being My left hand naturally wants to move things around. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. and my left yeah, hand wants to coordinate turns automatically now, thanks to you, Dave. So. Perfect. All right. Last on the list is probably the one I'm most excited about on your list is the ASM A26 ARF. And this is not a small airplane, which is really kind of the odd man out on all of you on your whole list. Yeah, this this one, this one's a bit of a let's call it a stretch goal. So this one, <laughs> okay. this one, uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to get into this. I've, I've done a lot of thinking about uh, setup on this one. So um, ARF. Uh, obviously, it's it's quite a complicated half, yes. I guess. Yes. Um, the the instructions you open the instruction booklet and on the front page, it says in big red letters: if you are not experienced, if you are not an experienced builder or flyer, do not commence this model. Essentially, <laughs> it's really setting the scene, right? But yeah. Um, 
It's uh, so the instructions are, are pretty good. They're, they're pretty indicative, actually. So there's a lot of stuff that's just kind of left to the imagination. Um, okay. And the the model is set up for um, was was set up for like 55 glow uh, twin, and I'm going to do it electric. So uh, and it the, oh. the instructions cover electric to a degree, um, but I think there's going to be a fair bit of me kind of fiddling and making it work a little bit to to get it to get it organized so uh yeah, yeah it, it's quite it's it's a bit of a step up for me in terms of complexity both in terms of flying and putting it together um but i'm i'm pretty keen to to sort of get it get it organized so yeah it's um it's an interesting one for sure so are you gonna are you gonna leave it in the as or the esm colors or are you gonna are you gonna do it up different so because i noticed uh, you, you're putting the 3d pilot busts in this one too yeah, so it, it's staying in those colors because um, okay. they're you know uh, Korean War colors. So guess what? I've gone and got Korean War pilots. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Uh, to to the point where actually to the point where I went and uh, did some research as to as to uh, you know what type of goggles um, USAF nice. pilots had in Korean in the Korean War, what type of jackets they wore. Um, I've got I've got photo evidence for all my selections for what they what the pilots are wearing because I've actually got the, the the pilot is wearing aviators with just his with just his peak cap on rather than his <laughs> rather than his B eight goggles and that's yep. actually that's accurate I've got a photo of someone doing that so uh, uh, I yep. feel justified there. You're going to um, put a crew member in the front too. So I'm actually going to go um, two side by side in the cockpit. Okay. Um, because the nose cone isn't isn't really well set up to have a figurine in there. It's, oh, okay. There's a bit of bracing and stuff in there. Okay. Um, so I've got two in the cockpit, and then actually going to have a the the gunner in the gunner station at the back that you can see as well. So um, that's I've awesome. Got them all good to go. Um, I actually did a um, a fair bit of uh, I guess uh, research into this one because I, I found a build log on RC groups of a of a guy who did the build of a. a made by the same company, made by ASM, a build of a P-61 Black Widow. And he did a lot of work to build out the interior of the aircraft scale. So it looked, it was very scale from the outside. You could see all the details in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. And it kind of uh, energized me to do something similar. And then I kind of, I've, I've paired it back a bit because I realized I don't I don't have the time or frankly the inclination to go to that level of detail. Right. Um, but, but do want to make I totally it get that. Good. Yeah. yeah. So, so painting like painting out the painting out the interior of the the cockpit and the appropriate, um, the appropriate you know that green uh, U.S. aircraft. Yeah, the zinc chromate color, um, and doing some other details to make it to make it relatively scale. Um, putting in a putting in a um, an instrument panel with instruments uh, that replicates what's in the real aircraft because in the real aircraft the pilot sits on one side and there's actually a passageway on his right hand side, so there isn't a second like a full-time second seat and there isn't a co-pilot per se. It's a flight engineer who then moves around the aircraft once the thing's in the air. <laughs> so um, he's going to have um, he's going to have uh, a seat. He's going to be positioned next to the pilot, but the, the actual instrument panel on the aircraft only covers like two-thirds of the of the front of the plane. So just going to do some scale details like that. Um, but, yeah, other than that, um, yeah, trying to figure nice. out stuff like yeah, I think it'll look awesome, and it's, it's a pretty big plane. I think it's going to have some really good presence in the air when the thing's up. Absolutely, um, it won't sound I'm as sh- cool with the yeah. electrics, but I, I, I guess I can forgive that. True. Is this a fiberglass <laughs> or is it built up? I can't remember. 
So it's it's or is it a combination built of both? up? It's built up balsa and plywood with actually like a uh, ABS carbon body over it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's quite unusual that way. <laughs> so the the wings are built up um, normally, but the the fuselage and the nacelles are actually plastic with an internal wooden slash carbon structure. Nice. Yeah, reminiscent of the old Sig Quick Build kits. Yeah, remember they had plastic the plywood box and the, yeah, cool. Well, like yeah. I said before, the the list. Um, I love the format, and Ron is probably going to update <laughs> his mine. list to, yeah. to match yours. And he, you even provided links on the on the right hand side, which is uh, very handy because yeah, because yeah. I'm going to go I'm going to go check out a couple of these actually. Oh, we can talk about this real quick. Uh, thoughts on streamlining your playing collection for the space conscious enthusiast. I think I know where you're going with that um, because I've had to do that uh, with my other hobby, which is Lego. I know. Don't judge me. Um, I am. But uh, yeah, I've, I've sort of had to narrow down my, my, my collecting because it's just getting overwhelming, right? Because of my available space. So yeah, I, I haven't done that uh, with airplanes. I, I if I like an airplane, I buy it and I figure out a place to store it. And I think pretty much that's how the everybody here at the table has done things. But have you found that you needed to to do that? Uh, well, I rent, um, so I don't have. Uh, I can't sort of do any you know modifications and put stuff on the wall or do anything way of, of storing stuff. Yep. So um, storage of aircraft is becoming a bit of an issue. Um, Maybe a la Reggie, but obviously not that bad yet. <laughs> uh, and getting worse, apparently. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess it's also a question of do you do you guys ever find that um, like how like how many low wing forty trainers can you own? You know what I mean? Like, if, do you find that you you have a lot of aircraft that you fly that essentially it's the same flying experience aircraft to aircraft? Yes. And you could potentially kind of streamline and, and not have as many of, of, of a similar type. Depends on oh, your that's, end that's, goal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't mind having more airplanes, so I don't want to get rid of them and have just one of everything. Um, mm. But if you have to, yeah, I could see doing that. Yeah. But if you like them, why get rid of them? Right, and and so that's that's a really great <clears throat> point. Is <clears throat> I've I've experienced that. I I currently have two Hangar Nine T thirty fours. I don't want to get rid of either one of them. I like them both. Um, mm. They are exactly the same airplane. Dave's air, the one I got from Dave. It's a little bit more airplane because we've got the flaps and, and lights. and Flaps, some, lights. It weighs a little bit more than yours. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit of a different flying experience, but um, they're both the same airplane, but I, I don't want to get rid of either one of them. But they're though, different colors. <laughs> right. There you go. But they're the same type. And yeah. if I had to... If I had to downsize, absolutely, I would. Uh, I would probably get rid of multiples of of the similar type, like a low wing sport plane. Yeah. Get rid of one of multiples. You mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I got gotcha. you. So, like all of mine, you know, I've got multiple quarter scale World War One airplanes, but they're all unique flying experience. They all fly mm. different. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything I have flies differently, even yeah. though I've got mm. uh, an F eighty six jet and I've got an F fifteen. They are completely different. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I really couldn't think anything on flying experience because they're all so different. Yeah. 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 No, I get that. Yeah. But I'm I'm definitely to the point where I I can't really add much <laughs> more to Me my neither. to my st- well yeah you, can, you got all kinds of space way more than than I do. I don't. No. Like I really don't. 
Like there is not the planes are not stored well, and you they're safe. They're safe. <laughs> they're safe, but they're not stored like I don't have. Yeah, there's a lot just sitting on the floor in the basement. But but no to to sort of you know hit that topic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's exactly how I would downsize the collection. Is I would downsize the ones that are most similar or identical. So yeah, yeah. I mean, how many biplanes does a guy need, right? I've Zero. Got, I've got quite a few for me. <laughs> no, yeah. I think if you can, I think if you can, if you've got the space, I mean, why not? You know what I mean? It's you, you may as well just 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 keep on going. But uh, I've, I've found that I think I'm going to be hit. I'm going to hit my limit at like a dozen, and that's that's kind of that's kind of it. I don't think I'd fit them anywhere else. Yeah. So you really need to make some hard decisions about what to keep and what not to keep, or what to change. Well, you got to figure what you like and what you don't like. And that, I think, is just you will naturally fly one more than another. Right. And the ones that you don't fly very often, maybe those aren't as important to you and you don't need to keep them. Mm. Well, and that that sort of hits the next bullet point in the email you sent to us, figuring out what direction to go in the hobby. Um, You know, having having been in the hobby for a couple of years now, you kind of know um, what you like and what you don't like and what you prefer to fly over things that you don't prefer. And I think that'll sort of guide what you what you acquire in the future and i think that's true for everybody like i have a preferred type of like i really really enjoy sticks obviously so i tend to gravitate towards airplanes that fly like a stick you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like i'm not a 3d pilot or anything like that so those kinds of airplanes don't really yeah get me going right like a a really well-built stick or, or whatever so i think what you decide what direction you go in the hobby sort of depends on what sort of what you're drawn to fills your yeah checks all the boxes and that's going to change from year to year over time yes and based on Mm. based on other stuff that you experience like you know you may go to the field next week and you know some new guy that's a new member of the club is out there with some new airplane that looks like it flies awesome and he gives you the sticks and you fly it and then now you've changed your mind now you want one of these you know so your direction could change so. Or the problem is you talk to a bunch of different people and find out what they're flying and think, oh, I want one of those too. Yeah. And then get into it that way. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we have, I mean, definitely from the podcast, from talking to different people has taken me into different ways that oh, I wasn't sure. expecting yeah. to go. So. I never, I never, ever, ever thought that I would have enjoyed gliders as much as I, as I did. Yeah. That's and the it's biggest all thanks away. to you buying that glider at the at which Toledo all goes back to interviewing guests and having having exactly. someone talk about gliders so yeah, yeah. So. getting ideas yeah exactly yeah. absolutely yeah and as far as keeping the hobby alive the next bullet here um yeah getting getting the new the next generation interested is it's a challenge uh, it's it's hard like ron you know he's He's trying to get his daughter in she's on the simulator and she seems you know she and i were talking a little bit about it oh, yeah. earlier and I asked her if it was fun, and she said, no. I'm like, what, what do you mean it's not fun? And then I forget what it was. She was trying to figure something out or, or like, I think she said something about crashing, and then I was like, of course, well, well, that's what the simulator's for. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Yeah. Well, then that makes it sound like it's work, you know? Well, yeah. No, I don't, want to, I don't want her to think it's work, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know what the, what the secret is, uh, but definitely getting younger people involved has is, is got to be the direction we're going to have to go. Yeah. From 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 your perspective, do you do you feel like there was a younger crowd sort of, you know, 20 years ago in the in the hobby in in its heyday and I feel like maybe that crowd has just stayed on 
but the whole body of people doing the activity has not really grown since then. I don't know if, if, if what your thoughts about that are. Yeah, I would say it, it kind of feels that way to me as well. Like, so 20 years ago, I was trying to get my kids kind of interested in it because I was interested in it and they showed no interest at all. And that was sort of a common uh, occurrence with, with the other friends that I was flying with at the time. You know, they were trying to get their kids or, or neighbors or whatever into it. And it just, I, for, I don't know if it has something to do with the proliferation of video gaming. Probably. So it's so much easier to do it that way. And, and less it's expensive. Cheaper. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, but I think, I think hope I'm hopeful, uh, you know, Maybe not the last few years because of COVID and all that kind of stuff, but with the with what you can purchase now, ready to fly, for less than a couple hundred bucks, and how successful people have been with these types of airplanes, I I'm hopeful that that will bring in you know the, the next generation to keep the hobby going. Yeah, I agree. I've got a question actually going back to the A26. Okay. And and it ties in actually to when you guys did the Duelists, um, which is central battery powering two motors oh this is all you that's how this is how you set up yours ron wasn't it correct you Mm -hmm. had how'd you go with uh wiring in battery to escs to motors did you run like decent thickness cables out from the from the fuselage to escs mounted out in the wings now i have to think because it's been a long time ago um so my original plan was to do two batteries and the nacelles um, mm. it was not possible to do that and still get CG without putting a ton of weight in the back. So it flies with one battery in the center. Um, one battery has, I think it goes to a Y harness. You would go to a yeah, Y so it goes to a to Y harness. Yeah. To a, to a splitter to get to each ESC and motor. And then only one of the ESCs powers the radio. So I yeah. cut the, cut the red wire. The, yeah. The power wire off. That way the ground and everything is the same between them all. But, yeah, so that's how I hooked that one up. Yep. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, this is this is thinking about the A26 because I know mm-hmm. like both motors both motors at anything above 80% throttle are going to pull sort of 100 plus amps. Yeah. So uh, I'm thinking about how like, you know, decent thickness cables coming off the middle because the A26 is actually in the plans or in the, in the build um, book. Uh, it actually tells you to put the batteries in the nacelles, mm-hmm. but I can't figure out how to. F- I can't figure out how to fit them in. There's just not enough space in there to put a. You know, this thing's going to run on like a 6S, probably two yeah. by six S four thousand or five thousand. So uh, trying to fit them in uh, just doesn't look doesn't look feasible. So yeah, and um, see that was the problem with the way I did it. So I designed it to where the motors went more forward, obviously, because the nacelles I built or built were sized for the batteries I was going to put it in. So mine is a lot more squared off than the plans called for, thinking that's where the batteries were going to mount. I regret that a lot because of, Mm. like, I could have had the motors farther back and had it done really more to to plan. Yeah, more sleek. uh, Had I known I wasn't going to be able to get the the batteries in there. So that is kind of my point. Like, I could not have fit that in with or fit the batteries in by going by the plans. I had to change it. So I don't know where you will be able to find a spot to put all that. Yeah, well, I'm, th- I'm thinking of sitting them just on top of the on top of the wing in the center section in the fuselage because that's a there's like a, a yeah if you have room that's true the, yeah and I'd prefer to have that weight in the center instead of out on the wings uh, yeah so I it's going to roll better it's going to be less stress on the wings yeah yeah I, I also think you know as as the 
as the batteries degrade, I don't need to worry about like uh, a, th- a thrust differential. True. Because uh, if it's you know if it's the same power going to both yeah. sides. Yeah, that's a good um, point. This yeah. is going to be weird for me to say though, but since you're already a nitro guy, I would probably do those nitro. <laughs> He's already made up his mind though. He's going to go electric. I know, but I'm just saying that's huh. probably what I would end up doing with that. Yeah. Yeah, it might make it easier. Yeah. Might be a good time to look at those SH engines. Those, oh, those gasolines. gas, gas there you coal go. engines. Yeah, I'm. I'm very yeah. interested. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm gonna check the, that guy's YouTube channel tonight when I get home. Yeah, see if he's made any progress. He hasn't posted in a while, but I, they look very promising. Yeah, and then they're surprisingly affordable. I think the. I think they're fifty two. The SH fifty two, gas glow, if I recall, was like less than two hundred and ten bucks. I think it was like two oh nine. I think is what it was. It's not bad. Which for me, that's, you know, that's very good. Now, granted, yeah, there's no right. ignition, you know, so you don't have to pay for that. But, um, yeah, I mean, for a, a decent quality engine that runs on gas, not bad at all. Might not be a bad option. Mm. What else you got? I think I'm. I think I'm done. I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, like I said before, uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for giving us your Sunday morning. I, I sure appreciate that. Oh, thanks. Thanks for thanks for having me on. It's been uh, been a lot of fun, and annoyingly, you've given me lots of things to think about in terms of purchases, which is which is never good. That's always the fun part. Yeah, yeah, maybe that is the fun part actually. If we can plant the seed for other people to spend more of their hard-earned income, then we've done our job. Because we Mm. do it ourselves. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) we we commiserate in other people's pain. So, thanks again. Uh, It's it's been it's been a hoot, and make sure you give us uh, send us updates. Like if you. uh, if you make progress on on any of your like the chippy or the a26 um send us send us pictures you know to the, oh, we'll to, the we'll yeah, to the uh, web page we'll we'll put them on there for others to see there you go all right so that's all i got i'm tom i'm ron i'm dave and i'm rob there we go have a great night we hope you enjoyed this episode of the rc plane lab podcast for topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.